This is Blurring the Lines with Adam Bell and Peter Nicolaitis, IT entrepreneurs. Adam and Peter take on the topics of technology, business, life, and the pursuit of happiness and blur them together in the 21st century. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to Blurring the Lines podcast. This is episode number 94, and I'm your host, Adam Bell. And joining me, as always, back from the northern European countries, <laughs> Peter Nicolaitis. Welcome back, Peter. Great to be here. <laughs> it's kind of funny, though, if you're a listener to the show, it's not like I've been gone very long. You know, it's not like I missed a few episodes or anything. <laughs> you, you, you look more Teutonic than you did before you left. <laughs> Maybe it's the goatee now. I don't know. But thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah, we we've got to hear some updates. Uh, so so where all I I know you went to Germany. Where else did you visit while you were there? Uh, Strasbourg, France, and Amsterdam, uh, mm -hmm. the Netherlands, Holland. So nice. um, I was flying um, on a buddy pass. So you know you're flying on standby or non rev non revenue as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, if there is a free seat on the plane, you get to take it and you get it at a steep discount. Essentially, you okay. this is if you have friends or relatives who are flight attendants or airline crew, they can get you these sweet, really sweet deals. The downside is that if the flight is full, you don't get a seat. <laughs> you get to wait. <laughs> you get to wait. And um, so that happened to us on um, on the return trip from Frankfurt. And uh, so my aunt made the executive decision. She said, no, nope, this doesn't look good. We're, we're bailing. We're going to go to Amsterdam. So we took nice. a train from Frankfurt to Amsterdam and then flew out from there the next day. So I had a side trip to Holland that I was not uh, expecting. And uh, that was fun. Nice. I had never seen so many bicycles in my entire life. <laughs> and, um, so that was that was pretty cool. You know, so that, Amsterdam seems like a cool little town. I could uh, I could definitely see myself having fun there. And um, yeah, that was my final final night, and uh, so I just uh, wandered around until I found a local tavern that wasn't really rated high for touristiness. It was more like you know a local favorite. Mm -hmm. And uh, I walked in. the The staff were courteous and smiling. There were plenty of seats available at the bar. Uh, the bartender spoke English, and they took credit cards. <laughs> win 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 but the best was that they brewed their own belgian style triple beer so nice. I, so i was like now i'm on it this is good this is fun <laughs> this is my happy place so, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was fun so it was it was it was really good getting out and um my first real you know vacation in years oh yeah yeah so that was it was fun and um flying first class for a change was Wow. <laughs> Just wow. Yeah. Lie flat seats. Oh, wow. That is nice. <laughs> so, yeah, that was cool. Um, didn't have as much beer as you might have thought because apparently beer, um, Germany is shifting and um, more people these days are drinking wine than beer. Yeah. 
And, uh, yeah, so I was in the heart of wine country in the Rhineland, and uh, that was fun. I I was gone. um, I managed to uh, get in a a workout, ran 5K on average every other day. So, you know, still got my exercise in. Uh, That said, I still managed to put on about 10 pounds. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I wouldn't want you to come back and not have something to do. Souvenir, right. Well, (laughs) I also made the decision ahead of time that I was going to only buy um, souvenirs, consumable souvenirs. So Mm -hmm. no knickknacks and crap to sit on the shelf. So (laughs) my souvenirs included one postcard. And the rest was all chocolates. Oh, nice. I take that back. I also bought two jars of jelly, which I stupidly forgot uh, in my carry-on bag and were confiscated by German customs leaving the con- uh, the country. Wah, wah, wah. So I was like, oh, you... Duh. <laughs> I knew better, because the last time I was leaving Germany, they confiscated a pocket knife of mine, too. <laughs> so, ah. so you think I was learn. Uh, but it was fun traveling with the German passport for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like entering the EU and uh, as a German, not having my passport stamped, because, like, no, you're supposed to be here. So uh, <laughs> the first time I traveled, you know, in and out of the country with my passport not getting stamped either way, I was like, all right, interesting, very interesting. Huh. So did you, did, you, did you use it coming back into the States? No, nope. coming back, I came in as an American. Okay. Yep, and uh, that's the way you're supposed to do it. Anytime you come into the States, you're supposed to use your U.S. passport. So Okay. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, so I did that. Um, Strasbourg, France, was, um, was interesting. Um, it's in the Alsace region, you know, that, that side of Germany and France that has historically ping-ponged back and forth between the two countries. But yeah. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because it you know, has a German name, but everybody speaks French there. Mm-hmm. And um, so we went into, like, French restaurants with semi-quasi-French-German dishes. Like, I had, uh-huh. a, um, I had a dish of uh, three fish with sauerkraut. Just not a combination I had ever heard of, let alone, you know, thought about. Yeah. Um, and it was really good. You know, it was like a haddock and salmon and a slab of smoked salmon mm-hmm. served in a clay pot made, you know, boiled top of sauerkraut. And I was like, I'd never had anything other than like, you know, like a slab of pork or sausages or something with sauerkraut. So this is a new experience. Nice. Um, it was good. And uh, tried a lot of nice new wines. Did try a couple of good beers. I found that uh, Erdinger Alcohol Frei, Erdinger Alcohol Free Beer. Yeah. Tastes better than most American beers. Huh. You know? I mean, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, yeah, I'll try the alcohol. For- wow. This is. <laughs> Yummy. <laughs> this is tasty. I can get tanked on this. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> Bring me another one. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun uh, driving mm-hmm. along the Autobahn and the, uh, you know, areas where it's still um, speed limit unrestricted was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was uh, all in all, it was good. It was a lot of fun. Oh, and um, my cousin's boyfriend, with whom we were staying, uh-huh. Uh, enterprise sales uh, in Germany for Sophos. <laughs> we had plenty to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, how how big was the language barrier? Not not very. 
Um, I've been studying German um, for a few months now. And, um, you know, it's, um, it wasn't that big a deal, but most of the people spoke English. Um, in France, it was more of a, you know, a, a little bit of a barrier. Uh, mm -hmm. We had um, a uh, waitress who spoke French and a little German and almost no English. Okay. And then uh, similar to we had a, a waiter at lunch. And he, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, but he actually did the, um, you know, he, he said, uh, asked a question or something. I ordered some kind of like fancy goose pate, you know, thing for, uh, for lunch or something. Right. And it was, as he was leaving uh, after taking the order, he actually went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you guys really do that? <laughs> I think he, 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 I think he did it to, uh, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to make this tourist day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> he's expecting. Yeah. It's funny though, too, because the French, you know, I, um, they, they, they have a reputation for being, <laughs> being a little, you know, <clears throat> well, stuck up. Um, and, um, I could see though that, you know, like they were just, um, a little, quite efficient and uh, like the first place we went, we just uh, sat down in a, um, in a little cafe just to get our bearings once we, once we landed there and, um, sat down and, you know, at a, at a table and, um, you know, just ordered a couple of drinks and the guy asked, you know, like drinks only, no food. And we said, yes. And he picked up the placemats and moved them to another table. Mm -hmm. Now I could see how you could take that, you know, being like, he was like, well, Oh, if you're not going to be eating anything, then you don't, you know, I'm not going to waste these placemats on you. Right. Yeah. But he was just being efficient. You know, yeah. he was actually, he was quite polite and stuff, but I could see how some of their mannerisms are a little bit abrupt and how people could take that, you know, the wrong way, essentially. Mm -hmm. so, it's interesting. I always, I always like experiencing other cultures and, uh, you know, figuring out the customs and stuff. Uh, tipping, not so much over there. Uh, you know, like tipping is, um, I asked the, uh, the bartender in, um, in Holland, um, so what is the, the customer around here? I understand you guys don't tip generally like Americans and stuff. And he said, yeah, it's, it's not required. I mean, if you've got like, you know, uh, like if you throw me like 50 cents or something like that, that's great. You know, <laughs> so, which they must make a better base. I mean, they'd have to make a good base. They do. And the thing is, Prices, I've, I've heard before, and I, I had this the, the last time I was in Europe. It was, um, I was in Iceland in 2011, 2012. Um, I mean, tax and tip is essentially included in everything, and the prices were about comparable to what I pay here in Boston. So <laughs> I was not thinking everything was all that expensive over there. It's just it's factored in ahead of time. Mm -hmm. So um, it, is, it is different, but um, I liked it. And, you know, some of the places they say, you know, this gratuity is already included. <laughs> Others allow you to. But it just makes so much more sense than, you know, like relying on the customer to arbitrarily decide what your wage is going to be based on mm -hmm. their feelings. Yeah. And, and, you know, like maybe what the, uh, you know, how, how badly your steak was cooked, which they had nothing to do with. Yeah. Uh, it just tipping is just a. Dumb practice. It needs to go. <laughs> well, and have you noticed how it has moved from, you know, it used to be 10%. Now it's 18, 22. I mean, 
Yeah. And, 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 and tipping things like uh, counter service. And um, my friends, uh, when they were in from out of town a couple of weeks ago, uh, just before I left, pointed out that they were at a restaurant that is now collecting a, like a, a 2% kitchen staff tip for the back, back end staff. So this is like, it doesn't make any sense. Just raise your freaking prices, take tipping out of the mix entirely, and make sense. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Yeah, I, I like... Uh, I like going out, you know, because I go to Mexico. I like going out of the country and experiencing the different culture, and it's it's very eye-opening. Mm, mm-hmm. Yep, it's good. It's education. I mean, everybody should do it. I wish our president would travel more. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard you just say, I wish that guy would leave the country. I mean, that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, um, so so the beers were good. The ones that I did have there, never uh, never had a beer that I didn't like, mm-hmm. and uh, I made sure that when I was having a beer, I would try to get one that was pretty local to the area. Um, I did have one uh, that was you know like pretty much widespread across the whole uh, the whole country. So, but um, no, I mean the Germans they they know their beer and they know their wine. It was also really nice, like finding a really nice bottle of wine. You know, was like six bucks. Oh wow, that's well. Yeah. Think about it. They had to transport it like two miles. <laughs> have to go anywhere. Maybe yeah. maybe three and a half, four kilometers tops. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, so that was fun. And um, yeah, so that was my trip from Germany. Uh, can't wait to go back. Cool. I I can't wait to go myself. Wonderful. So my neighbor. Since we mentioned beer, my neighbor behind me is a distributor for beer. I mean, for for Budweiser, but Budweiser is way bigger. At least his distribution center is way bigger than just Budweiser. They do all kinds of this other stuff. So he gave me. He always gives me different beers to try because he he knows I'm a whatever a connoisseur or like to take. So he gave me uh, a Lagunitas. Uh, uh-huh. Super cluster ale. Now I don't like APA or IPA, and he didn't know that I don't like IPA. Uh, you know, because I just didn't tell him I don't like IPA. But he said you got to try this. It's a fruit hopped IPA. Yeah. And I was like, well, I'll give it a try. You know, I'll have it with dinner. It is really good uh, for an IPA. Um, it's it's worth trying. Oh, it's the it's the super, I don't know if it's backwards, sure. yep. super cluster, but it actually is pretty tasty. It had a nice, uh, if you like uh, a Belgian ale with, with the orange in it, Yep. it's got an essence of that. Okay. It's not that, but it's got a, you know, I was like, Hey, this is, this is pretty enjoyable for an IPA. I mean, my worst, I mean, but maybe my, my sights were so low that it was like, uh, I hate IPA. Oh, this isn't bad. Harpoon <laughs> <laughs> has one like that. Um, they have a, like a mango IPA, which uh-huh. is not at all super hoppy, not at all bitter. And I was pleasantly surprised when I tried that last year. It was almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really like IPAs. And I was at a Harpoon event, and the, the woman was like, I don't either. You should try this. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay. So I did. Yeah. Um, 
I was thinking too, recently I had tried um, some beers from Founders. Mm-hmm. And I had sent you pictures of them a while ago, like the last time I was in Maine. I remember there were a few, and I'm like, boy, these look really good, some barrel-aged things. Uh-huh. They have a another super limited edition, apparently, thing. I think it's called KBC. It's a Kentucky, Kentucky barrel-aged uh, thingamabobber. Okay. It's like 23 bucks for a four-pack. I want to, and I'm sure it's going to be absolutely amazing, but that's... You know, it's like at this point, like, do I want to pay top dollar for the best? Or is this one over here that costs half the price and is 80% as good, good enough for me? <laughs> yeah. Tough call. Tough call. So, yeah. so. But anyway, so that's uh, the, the beer update. But yeah, so I've, I've been um, I've been branching out a little bit. Not uh, I've, Still haven't been drinking as much. I, I, I went cold turkey for a while, you know, over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Drinking a little bit now, but not so much. And I'm on a what I call a 90% plant-based diet for uh, the, the the next week or so as I mm-hmm. uh, recover from Germany. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Recover from beer, bread, and and, uh, and uh, sausage. Yeah. Beer, bread, and brats. That's what I was looking for. Cool. Yeah, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm not drinking much these days either just because it's, it's so many empty calories. And if yeah. I'm trying to lose weight, it's... yeah. I'll still have have a beer on Friday night and call it good. <laughs> yep. Yep. That, that, that happens. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I hear you're driving a green truck these days. Yep, yep, and it, and it's not green like uh, as the good like for the environment. Tesla? Yeah, as in your Tesla green. <laughs> so, do you know that I have a fifty a fifty five Chevy thirty one hundred step side pickup? I seem to remember you mentioning something like that in the past. Yeah, so this is now the driving season for the green truck. It, okay. you know, there's no air conditioning. It is uh, three speed on the column, you know, so I roll down the windows and, and drive. And I also don't drive really on the interstate because uh, 60 mile an hour is my top end speed. <laughs> Sounds like a Jeep. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a Jeep. Yeah, I, uh, very, very similar from that regard. Uh, but it's it's fun to drive, and uh, but I don't drive it long distances. But I drove it today. Today was the first day of spring that I, I did drive it a couple weeks, about a month ago, when I got a new transmission in my red truck. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so I got to drive it today, and it was good. <laughs> I, there. I, had, I had an appointment today, and I ended up canceling it. Uh, but I was going to have my winter tires changed over. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, for the first time I bought, well, first time I bought winter tires in like 10, more than 10 years. Um, but, you know, driving the Subaru, living in, you know, Boston, don't really need them so much. Mm-hmm. Going up to Vermont more often, kind of need them. Yeah. Um, so I went to Town Fair Tire, and, you know, they're one of the big chains. They promise, you know, best prices, yada, yada. But um, free uh, winter tire changeovers for the life of the the tires and stuff. So I was just like, okay. So I made the appointment for today and then looked and I'm going to spend the next few nights uh, up in Vermont, New Hampshire, and it's supposed to be like rainy and sleety and stuff. Ah. And I was like, hey, you know, we'll take those off just yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It's 79 degrees here right now. Yeah, not here. Not even close. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, anyway, yeah, so there's that. 
Um, I forget. Did we talk about Verizon FiOS the last time we were on? The last time. I think that you, we have talked about it from the standpoint of their billing went up on you. Yeah, but we did. That was around. That was after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That was several months ago. Did we talk about it recently? I can't think so. I don't think so. Okay, because what happened was uh, about a week or two right before I went on vacation, um, I was starting to look around at other stuff because I was paying. Well, when I first moved in, I was paying like seventy-five bucks, and it was for I think uh, seventy-five megabits or something. And then you know they did that thing where they ratchet the price up after uh, the the trial period, and then I was paying around $100 a month for 50 megabit service. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was a brand new customer, I could pay $50 a month for a 100 meg service. But since I've been a loyal Verizon customer for the last five, six years, they want to invert that and make me pay through the nose. Mm-hmm. So I started looking, and I had tried Comcast before, and I wasn't happy with it here, but other people in the area haven't, and they say it works really well. So I was going to give them another shot. Um, and, uh, so I just called Verizon. And I was like, yeah, yeah. How can we help you today? I said, well, get right to the chase. I said, either you got to lower my bills or you got to, uh, you're going to lose me as a customer because they're, you know, that's, that's it. I like mm-hmm. Comcast will give me like 500 megabits for 85 bucks a month or something like that. Yeah. And here I'm paying, you know, one tenth of that speed and I'm paying more. So mm-hmm. what can you do? Well, what they ended up doing was putting me on the 300 megabit package for the exact same price. Okay. I was like, that's acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Not having to go through the pain of changing out new hardware, new vendors, et cetera, and, you know, speeding up my speed by a factor of six. Now, that said, I haven't actually seen 300 meg. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen over 100 meg from time to time, but I haven't gotten like, you know, the, the two or 300 in any of the tests or real real world tests, I should say. Um, so I'm going to probably call them on that a little bit. And, you know, I went through all the standard troubleshooting, like tried it on wireless. Okay, tried it on wired through the firewall. Okay, bad, bypassed the firewall, went straight through their router and, you know, still not getting like super, super fast, but it mm-hmm. is noticeably faster. Yeah. Um, I'm uploading uh, an 11 gigabyte backup right now, for instance, while we're talking and it's, you know, not interfering with anything. So, well, I, th- I think I can tell a difference that, that your internet speed is better. Yeah. See, there you go. So maybe <laughs> listener, maybe you can too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially but, now that we're recording video too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the, the thing is, is like, um, you know, I, I hate having to be that guy, you know, where you have to complain and, you know, threaten to leave. But I mean, you have to, you have to complain and threaten to leave. That's, that's the only <laughs> way you can get a good price out of these people other than switching. My, my strategy used to be like every two years, I would just switch vendors. Yeah. You know, yeah. but that, that's a pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> switching, yeah, you know, you know what it's like switching vendors, right? <laughs> yeah. But did I tell you, I guess I didn't tell you what AT&T did. So we, they came around, it it was two years, it was last spring, or two years ago in the spring. They came around and offered DirecTV and gigabit fiber. Mm -hmm. So my gigabit fiber, you know, is part of a $150, $155, $160 bill. And 70 of that is Google or is gigabit fiber from AT&T. And I knew it was a two-year contract uh, because that was as long as I could get it. 
because I was like, uh, two years? Can we do three years? <laughs> no, we're, this is only a two-year contract. So I got it for two years, and then I was I was really prepared to do you know do the shuffle this uh, this spring, whatever the ISP shuffle is for this iteration, you know, and they said. We're going to extend our off, you know, extend your price discount for another 12 months, blah, blah, blah. I didn't even have to ask for it. They just, they just sent it. So I think they, you would think they would have enough consumer information and they've been doing this long enough to recognize patterns. If you're an organization of that size, I mean, (laughs) I know what my clients are doing. In the immortal <laughs> words of Vicini, you'd like to think that, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in this case, somebody at AT&T figured it out and said, you know, we better extend that offer just for one more year because, <laughs> it, you know, $70 a month is better than no dollars per month. And I've got DirecTV on top of that, so they're getting... Hundred and sixty dollars a month total. Let's not rock that boat. Right. Yep. <laughs> there you go. And yeah, it's amazing when you think about like discounts and stuff for services. When you know when a service is already in place and you don't have to do much to maintain it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be a big fat sow and be really really greedy and milk them, or you can cut a generous discount, still make a buck, and okay. keep a client. You know. That's yeah. Some- <laughs> yeah. So, well, cool. um, following you, I think, yes. Um, so as you know, I've been a fan of Jocko Willink now for a few years since I first mm-hmm. heard him on the Tim Ferriss show. Um, but you beat me to actually reading his first book, Stream Owner. I just assumed you had read it since uh, you talked about it. Yeah, I never, I never got around to it. But you know, I had listened to like his first hundred and thirty episodes of his podcast. <laughs> so I pretty much got all of the lessons out of the book. But it was but, nice yeah. listening to it. I um, I had the audio book. Yeah, uh, from Audible. No, uh, from the library, uh, from the Boston Public Library via their OverDrive app. Now, this is where it gets kind of fun. And by fun, I don't mean fun. I mean annoying. I had previously, uh, when I first moved to the Boston area, uh, to Somerville, I set up a, you know, an account and then when I moved, I left Somerville. I set up a new library card account, but it was completely online. And it was just with the Boston Library. And the Boston Public Library is open to all Massachusetts residents. So I didn't have a physical library card anymore. So I had this new virtual card. Seeing how I had only used my physical card like once before, I didn't really lose anything. So it's not like changing your email address and you have to tell 40 different vendors, okay, I'm not here anymore, I'm over here, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I started doing all these checkouts as I've been, you know, talking about on the show and, you know, checking out books and audiobooks and using Hoopla and all these fun things. Well, the time came finally when there was this book that I wanted to read and it was only in the library in hardcover format, paper, dead tree edition. <laughs> dead tree edition. Right. So I decided I wanted it. And uh, since the Malden Public Library was the closest for me, I said I would pick it up there. So I went there to pick it up, and they said, oh, we need to give you a new library card because you need a physical card to check out physical books from the uh, library. I said, <laughs> fine. 
I see where this is going. <laughs> uh-huh. so they gave it to me, and I checked out the card. And and they gave it to me. <laughs> so I got home, and I started reading my book, and everything is great. And then I started, uh, I tried to log into one of the online services. I forget which, and it wouldn't let me log in. I was like, huh, okay. Well, so I tried to log into the, the, the library website maybe to change my password. It wouldn't let me do that. And it wasn't giving the, you know, like, your password is invalid or your account is invalid or anything. It was just like, oh, an error was encountered. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that useful error. error. So I emailed Webmaster at the Boston Public Library. And then subsequent to that, like an hour or two later, I got an email from the Malden Library saying, hi, Peter, we forgot to tell you that your new library card replaces your old one. So use this number moving forward. Okay, fine. The next day, I got an email from Webmaster at the Boston Public Library saying, it looks like you have a new card. You should use your new number. So I was like, okay, great. Thank you. All set now. I understand Mm -hmm. what's going on. Fine. Here's the thing. (laughs) I had put holds on extreme ownership, uh, discipline equals freedom, uh, waking up by Sam Harris, a bunch of yoga books, um, one uh, the why you should delete your social media accounts right now, digital minimalism by uh, Cal, uh, uh, Cal, Cal Newport, I think, bunch of books. And most of these books have like 18, 19 week lead times on them on average. Uh. <laughs> now, here's where it gets really annoying. I'm still getting emails telling me that those books are now available to me and I can't check them out anymore because the account is invalid. And they're, they're held for two or whatever the period of time, a few days, the grace period. Exactly. So there's a grace period. So it's like, Oh, you know, like discipline equals freedom or waking up by Sam Harris. You could read it now, but you can't. And the average wait time is 19 weeks. Nice. Like, well, 19 weeks, I'll be done with my first semester of going back to college, so maybe I'll have time to read it again. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, I'll be two semesters in by then. Uh-huh. So anytime I get one of these emails, I immediately click on the OverDrive app to see if I can get it. And if it's not listed there, I go back and I request it because mm-hmm. then I know, oh, yes, I wanted to read that someday. Maybe I will now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> do, you, do you ever uh, surf Audible? for books like that? Uh, I look at it sometime, but um, because I'm being a cheapskate and I already effectively have already bought it via my library, I generally try to get it for free if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I'll, if there's something that I really, well, I don't usually wait around for the library. If it's available, then I'll get it. If it's not available, because I already, I already do a monthly sub- subscription and I have right. credits to Audible. So I'm like, yeah, I'll use them. But yeah. I'll also keep an eye on them because some of those books, uh, especially older books, like really old books that you want to read, like you recently reread, um, don't sweat the small things and they're all small things. It was, I mean, that's an old book mm-hmm. that you might look, or it might be like $2 yeah. on Audible. Yep. You know? Yeah. And, and again, too, you know, like if it's a book that I want to read right now, yeah. then, yeah, I'll get it. You know, mm-hmm. is it really going to change my life if I read Waking Up by Sam Harris now or, you know, sometime in midsummer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really not, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but, that, but uh, again, you know, folks, your library, wonderful resource. <laughs> Use it. 
<laughs> so what's your uh, what's your big takeaway from extreme ownership? Boy, do I know an institution that could use it. <laughs> Man, that's no way to talk about my company. I'm proud of my company. <laughs> it is a really good book. Um, I mean, a lot of it is, um, you know, once you very, very simply put, um, I did read the um, the summary on it too. I read the you know the, a book summary on Hoopla before reading the actual book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the summary is like everything is a management issue, mm-hmm. right? Because if it's the man, you know ultimately everything it's a leadership issue. You're either not you know organizing your troops right, or you have the wrong troops, or mm-hmm. you have things prioritizing correctly. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading in coffee table book format, meaning like I sit down at the on the sofa and I pick it up and flip through a few pages. The Art of War visualized. Oh, that might be cool. Yeah, so it's Sun Tzu's classic, The Art of War with charts and graphs. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's it's cool. It's kind of humorous more than anything. Um, I like that I, write a book like that. Yeah. But but I remember I remember that you know one of the big takeaways from that was um, you know keeping the troops informed. That mm-hmm. was one of the big things that uh, you know that a general needs to do, and and you got to remember you know this was like twenty five hundred years ago or so when you know when he when he wrote this and we we're yeah. talking about like these were earth shattering concepts back then you know yeah. like, you need to talk to your people and let them know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, in extreme ownership, Jocko talks about the same stuff. It's like, you know, if, if your people aren't carrying out their orders, it's because they don't understand and appreciate them. Mm-hmm. And you could extend this to sales and marketing, right? Mm-hmm. If someone isn't talking to you, it's like they probably don't understand and appreciate what it is that you're offering, right? Yeah. You know, if I just walk up and say, hey, want to buy some stuff? <laughs> yeah. Mm, probably not yeah. going to happen. You know? yeah. No, but not really. But it's good stuff. But it's good stuff. And it's cheap. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, some of it, leadership is very similar to sales, sales and marketing, you know. And so it's a, it's a very good book. Um, I definitely have some leaders who uh, could really benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'd like to I'd like to see that. So. Anyway, yeah. highly recommend the extreme ownership. It's good. Uh, I had the audible, uh, you know, the audio version, which it was. It was good. It was, um, you know, read by the authors, uh, Jocko uh, Willink and Leif Babbitt. Um, mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny though, because every now and then they would, because it, uh, it's like part story, and then you know, like in Ramadi, and then the the lessons learned in Ramadi in the battlefield, and then how they affect those in the real world with their customers, you know, in the business world, right? Real world, the business world. Um, but every now and then there will be like a battle scene and they would just throw in the sound of an explosion or gunfire. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, you know, yeah, I was like, okay, that was interesting. <laughs> it's like, it's a little bit out of, out of the blue there, but uh, mm. maybe that was the point. So anyway, extreme ownership, Jocko Wellink, good book. I recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my company, we're actually doing, uh, that was this quarter's reading assignment. And mm-hmm. so next Friday is our book review of, of the book. And, uh, you know, that I, I totally, you know, I used to think you'd, you'd hear the old expression, the buck stops here, mm-hmm. you know, and things like that. And to me, that felt like a macho useless saying, you know, when, when bad, you know, it, it just, it, 
I got what they were saying, but it didn't really mean anything. And and this is a totally different taking ownership of it, not saying, oh, yeah, well, the whole thing was bad. So that's my fault. I mean, that's not what the it's not what that's saying. It's a it's a it's it really is a, a slight mind shift of of taking ownership and and not from the standpoint of get out of my way. You're too dumb to do this job. I'm going to take over and do it. It's not that either. It's not saying you as the leader have to do the work. Right. You know, it's you as the leader getting the people to do the work. And, you know, like there's no bad employees. There's only bad leaders because if you got a bad employee and you've, and you have really exhausted all options to make this person be able to do what you need to, them to do, and they're still with you, mm-hmm. that's a leadership problem. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and Musashi writes very similar things in the book of Five Rings. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was in like, uh, that was, was you, that was uh, 15th century, 1600s, I think. Um, you know, so Art of War, were, you know, like a thousand years later or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, or wait, thousand years, 1500 years later, 1800 years. Uh, anyway, long time after Sun Tzu. <laughs> um, but he writes about how, you know, if you, um, are a, uh, a foreman building a house, you will use certain wood for certain things. You know, you've got the, the fine, the really nice looking stuff. That's what you're going to use for your finish. You know, that's mm-hmm. where, you know, your trim and it's going to look really nice. And then you've got the not quite so good stuff, which is used for, uh, you know, for your, I don't know what, I'm not a carpenter. Pressure, pressure treated for the base where it meets the ground. Right. So for exactly. And then, you know, the even worse stuff like that is going to be used, uh, would be used for the, you know, the cross beams and things. Mm-hmm. And then if it's even worse than that, it's used as scaffolding. Well, your concrete forms and yeah, exactly. You know, so everything's got a place, but not everything has the same place. Mm-hmm. And just like that with the with the people that you're using, you know, you don't put your rough-edged, um, you know, bruisers and stuff as your frontline sales people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you, know, you make them linebackers or something. <laughs> so it's all a matter of placing resources and stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, again, good good books. Oh, cool. All right, moving on. Moving on. So the uh, April fifteenth. What? Some, what happens that day? Oh, is that that's the Ides of April? That's not. That is. I so, can't remember. So taxing. <laughs> oh. yeah. I don't know. We'll have to look it up. But something happens next Monday. Is it? Yeah, Monday? something happens. All right. So. Uh, I'm about to uh, switch tax preparers. <laughs> I uh, I've been with the same guy for oh probably going on ten years now, and uh, unfortunately the the um, the quality of my service has been just gradually going downhill. Okay. And a repeated pattern that I've been experiencing is. My return is, you know, being processed at the last minute. Now, I'm not his only client, but you can't tell me he's doing everybody's return on April 15th. But, you know, I hope not. But, but all of my returns, every year, the corporate return, which is due on March 15th, was always like, you know, the last first week, second week of March is when he starts working on it. 
And in this past year, especially, I had been emailing my guy and saying, hey, you know, stuff's changing. I want to talk to you about this and not getting a response. Or he would pick in on like one little bit of what I said in the email and draw the wrong conclusion based on that. Mm -hmm. uh, like one example was um, I now have a studio space at home, which I use for training and teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and occasionally I teach a class here, but I use it for course development and for personal training all the time. Right. right. And it's exclusively for that business. I'm not having parties there. I don't have a TV. I'm not watching it. You know, it's not my guest room. It's not my bedroom. This is a studio space dedicated for the purpose of yoga and yoga instruction. Right. And so I said, uh, you know, I want to list this. And in the organizer that he gave me, I didn't see where the home office deduction stuff was. And he replied and said, well, you said you use this occasionally, so that doesn't count. <laughs> That's... That's not the occasional. I'm like, but that's not, you know, and, and there are other things where, like, I wanted to have a conversation and I would say, you know, I want to have a talk about this. And, you know, can we have a quick chat about, you know, such and such because I want to have, you know, you know, discuss this thing and this thing and I'm selling this property and, you know, reorganizing the business and such and such. And the response was to the tune of, well, this isn't something that we can cover in a quick chat. I'm like, okay. <laughs> How's about we schedule a long call then? You know, like, <laughs> what the hell? What do you want yeah. from me, man? <laughs> so um, I've got another, you know, a CPA firm lined up now, and I just basically, you know, I've, I've written, and I'll, maybe I'll just hit send right before we finish this podcast. But <laughs> I just said, it's, it's taking me some time, but, you know, no, stop working on my personal return. I'm going to have somebody else do it. Because mm. like, the latest thing is, I filed the final return for Massachusetts for my corporation. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was indicated that I owed that paradigm owed $456 for as part of its final, you know, final year's filing fee. Okay. So I sent it. Well, yesterday in the mail, I got a check from the Massachusetts department of revenue for $456. <laughs> Did I misread the return? Was I supposed to send them? Were they supposed to send me money? I don't, you know, like what, what's going on? Uh -huh. um, I'm not sure. You know, did I overpay? I, it wasn't clear in the thing. And this is the kind of thing I'd like to talk to my accountant about. But doesn't feel to me like he's got the time to give me the time of day, let alone look into this. Yeah. So I don't even like at this point, I don't even want to talk to him about it just because yeah. of the way he's made me feel like I'm not important, not a priority. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like several times I reached out, you know, over the years, you know, over the, the last year saying, Hey, you know, like I'm going to be teaching yoga. I want to do this. And he was like, Nope, not deductible. And I was <laughs> like, okay. But now I'm actually teaching, I'm engaged in teaching and I'm advancing my career. I am a teacher. I have a certificate. I am a teacher, and I want to get more training. Now, I'm an IT security guy, and when I get more training for that, it's tax deductible. Uh -huh. Why would it not be the same in yoga? Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so this is the kind of thing. It doesn't seem like it has to be a super long conversation, but there should be a conversation and I can't have this. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, what we have is a monologue. I'm monologuing. <laughs> yeah. 
You're a genius. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you caught me monologuing. <laughs> anyway, so as it happens, a, a, a good friend of mine happens to be a CPA. Oh, okay. And, and so he's going to uh, take me, well, he and his partner are going to take me on as a, as a client. And they've, they've assured me that they, you know, they will help me out. They'll file the extension for me now and uh, we'll actually spend some time. But the, 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 the piece of resistance <laughs> was uh, my, my old guy had encouraged me to consider reorganizing Paradigm from a corporation to an LLC. Okay. And I was looking for guidance during that process from him, and he was silent on the matter other than telling me, you should talk to a, an attorney. But when I talked to an attorney, they said, well, these are tax questions, not, you know, these are accounting questions, not legal questions. I feel your frustration there. I With know the I've had that same frustration. You know, the accountant sends you to the lawyer and the lawyer sends you to the accountant. Bingo. <laughs> And and I went through the same thing during my divorce. I remember that, you know, my my attorney was saying, oh, you need to talk to your accountant about this. And the accountant was like, why? That's a legal question. Go talk to your attorney. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, I don't like, you know, finger pointing and stuff. And but then I found out like, oh, he, he didn't like some of the ways that I had, I had done some of the things when he was mm -hmm. returning. I'm like, I tried to ask you. <laughs> yeah. what the right way to do it was you're like okay so you don't want to give me advice because that could be construed as legal but you'll give me a rash of bleep for doing it wrong down the road yeah yeah wow thanks dude you know <laughs> so not too happy about that um, yeah so, anyway yeah. but uh yeah and you know like i don't know how much i i I, I, but the but the final part was too was that they said oh well, it looks like when you were closing out the the uh, the corporation you took a large distribution to close out what you owed because there was a receivable there was a loan on file from from the corporation to me mm -hmm. and again this happened on like you know March fifteenth or so or the fourteenth as you know like final deadline and stuff I'll be honest I did not read every page of the return. Right, I get this big stack of papers. I didn't have time to read it, so. but apparently the way that that was dealt with was as a giant distribution, mm -hmm. which is apparently subject to capital gains tax. So now I have this giant distribution that I need to pay a giant hunk of tax on. And I was like, I do remember him saying something about, you know, you would be liable for taxes, but this is where I would like to have had a conversation ahead of time. Yeah. He said, let's plan this. You know, like, is taking a giant distribution the way to do this? Maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe this should have been payroll. Maybe we should have spun up payroll just for one time just to take this, pay payroll taxes. And that, you know, like, but I tried to have these conversations and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And now it sounds like it feels like the the my efforts to you know downsize to an LLC to to downsize the management requirements of those things are going to come back and kick me in the groin by like <laughs> a factor of twenty <laughs> yeah. you know of what I was trying to save like mm -hmm. what the uh, so. Yeah. I'm well, smiling, but I'm really not happy right now. Yeah, really not. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, the other thing 
well, I've got two things I want to, or want to talk on taxes, uh, the Tennessee Department of Revenue. But then the, the other thing is, you know, you've got the member equity number that is in that company and continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. That money's not real. That mm-hmm. money's not there. It's not sitting in a bank account over the 20 years that you owned your company. That payment was paid to you and you paid taxes on it in 1998 you paid the tax you paid the 25% taxes to the IRS then and now you get to pay on it again yeah are you lucky on money that you've already received already paid taxes on it isn't real ah <laughs> <sighs> wonderful <laughs> wonderful you got to love it so if you're considering opening your own business Run. Don't (laughs) (laughs) Unless you, you know, feel like you are not penitent enough, you're not humble enough, and you haven't had enough abuse, then you should own your own company. So, but anyway, so Tennessee Department of Revenue. So I also have a new CPA this year. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he is a stickler for every single thing. And... I kind of, I kind of gave him permission to be one because I had the I had CPAs that were not getting me in in order. And you know, I just felt like, you know, I would say, "Hey, I think that I should be able to do X, Y, Z," and they say, "Well, yeah, you could do that." Mm-hmm. Well, should I do that? Well, yeah, you could do that. No, no, no. Should I do that? Is, <laughs> and they let me drive the accounting. Uh-huh. I'm a strong-willed person. I get that. You know, so I'm like, you need to keep me from doing dumb things. Really, that's what I'm paying you. I don't, I, I want to follow the law. I don't want to break the law. I want to do what's right when it comes to taxes because there's no winning. You know, there's no, there's no, you, you cheat. You pay for it. Yeah. There's no, <laughs> you reap what you sow when you cheat in taxes. So right. I don't want to cheat. I want to. Yep. I want to make good decisions. I want to make money. Yeah. I want to make so. But but I'm, am I correct in guessing that at the same time you don't want to be overpaying on exactly. stuff that's not liable? Yeah, exactly. I don't want to pay for anything that I don't know. But. Right. Everything I do, oh, I want to pay that. So, so all that's, I've got this, I've got this new CPA. And he asked for my sales and use tax number, my tax ID. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, he had everything else of mine. So he had my social security, my wife's, my kids, my business ID, you know, all this. So I didn't like, well, yeah, I mean, why wouldn't I give it to him to have on file? And I asked him to file my franchise and excise tax for me. I actually didn't ask him to, I didn't ask him to file it. I asked him to prepare it. Mm-hmm. So he prepared it for, for me and he sent me an email saying, well, I've, I've prepared the F and E F and uh, it's scheduled to withdraw from your account on March 15th on the due date. And I said, how'd you do that? You know, I didn't give you permission to my account. Well, I received a letter in the mail from the Tennessee Department of Revenue after he told me he had done this Mm -hmm. and saying, ACPA, 
you know, his name has been given permission to your account for taxes. And I never once gave him permission to do that. All he had was my account number. <laughs> that seems like their authorization controls are a little lax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I told him, I said, look, I said, this is absolutely nothing against you. I'm going into the sales and the tax use and uh, I'm revoking your permission. So, and I'm so, so their their authentication method is, hey, I'm a CPA. Give me access to Adam's account. Uh-huh. That was it. That's cool. He went to the website. <laughs> he put in his number. He put in my number and he got authorization into my account. He has my whole sales and use history for my business for, I mean, access to the send money in and out of my account. I should try it. I should have my CPA try to connect in and see if he can get access to your account. <laughs> well, what I did is I, I, I uh, unauthorized any third party access to my account. Right. <laughs> So it seems like that. I'm try. I should have yeah. try. Should have them try. Yeah, uh, but it seems like that should be off by default, not on by default. Default deny. That <laughs> yeah. is the more secure option. Yes. Yes. So all that to say. Gosh, <laughs> you're making it worse. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have a you have a line under there, underneath your taxes and breaking up with your accountant. The doing the hard thing is usually the right thing. Yeah. So that was um, I. I heard that from. I don't think that Tim Ferriss actually made that quote, but I think he heard it from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just. Uh, you know, it's just something to keep in mind, you know, if, mm -hmm. if you're at a quandary and, you know, you don't know which is the right thing to do, the harder one is probably the right choice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just consider that the next time <laughs> you are stuck and trying to, you know, figure out what course of action to take. Yeah. Um, breaking up with my accountant is it's, you know, it, it was painful. Mm hmm. You know, I considered this guy a friend for, for several years and I'm like, you know, but over time that has gone down mm -hmm. and, um, you know, now I don't even feel like I'm getting good service. So it's like, I, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, you know, it was hard. Um, so, but now that I've, you know, vocalized it and I put it out there, it, it clearly is the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, but not, not always that easy. Mm hmm. But and I think that I mean, I think that that's probably one of those sayings that goes all the way back to, you know, early in time, doing the hard thing is the right thing. Uh, but the first time that I heard it, you know, expressly was from uh, a, a fictional character, Myers, in the Travis McGee novels by John D. McDonald. And I think I've talked about him in the past. He's he's from the 60s authors, got tons of mystery books, but Travis McGee is how I got on them. But that's one of Meyer's sayings is that the hard thing to do is usually the right thing. So yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yep. Well, on that note, um, 
Should, should we uh, we have other things that we uh, want to cover this one, or should we uh, should we do the hard thing and stop recording? I think we should stop recording. I've uh, so on, yeah <laughs> on my uh, reading list. I do. Are you a ham radio operator? I am not. Um, I did get mm, somewhat passable with Morse code, like. 30 plus years ago <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, other than that no <laughs> so i have my technician license okay and uh, i'm gonna get my general license so I, I i've got till june because the test changes in june and i'm like you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do this <laughs> good for you man <laughs> kind of like you it's like why do i why do i want to be a yoga instructor why do i want to go back to college i don't know It'll be good for me. The hard thing is good for me. (laughs) It'll be good for me. Sure it will. (sighs) No, I want to have the ability to do high-frequency radio. Right now, I can only do uh, very high-frequency and ultra-high-frequency, which require repeaters. And repeaters are cool, but I want to be able to send a signal to the moon. So now you want to be able to use a uh, like a microwave oven and uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> so, but cool. Cool. Well then, let's see here. What else do we have? Uh, we you we would listener. We do want your feedback. If you'd like to discuss a particular topic, then you can drop us a line at www.blurringthelinespodcast.com. Uh, oh, and I don't. While you're out of the country, we got a new th- WordPress theme. Oh yeah! <laughs> Peter sent me an email saying, "When I go to blurringthelinespodcast.com, it looks like it's snowing because there's nothing but white." <laughs> and I went in, and oh well, that's a whole other debacle. I, I got another theme in place. It's is blue themed. It's not beautiful as far as not that the old theme was all that beautiful i mean it's it's a very functional website so but it's working again it's fast again i've got our uh um got our podcast in there so that's what counts that's what counts okie dokie well then since you're uh back in the country i think you should do the honors i am going to honorably push the big red bouton bouton to contact either us or our guests, visit BlurringTheLinesPodcast.com. If you like what you're hearing, do us a solid and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us a five-star review in iTunes, Google Play Store, or wherever you found us. 